Welcome back to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're at episode 94. Welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. We're learning how to create an epic brand, find the right marketing strategies, and building your business is a constant evolution, classroom, and lab. Each week, we'll be diving into all things brand and marketing with special guests and solo episodes to help you build your business brand and big idea. Hey, hey, welcome back to the podcast. It is awesome to have you here. Now, today I have got something a little bit different for you. I really wanted to start a business series where I shared some stories of a number of businesses that I kind of love and that I am drawn to and how they started their business and how they're growing and building it. So they may very well be still in the evolution of it, but I am trying to find some interesting stories to share with you. And so the girls from Color Coded, Sal and Beck, I met quite a while ago uh, and they have got quite unique backgrounds and started a fashion label. And so I thought that their story would be something that was definitely of interest. And I really wanted to know how they learned how to create this fashion label called Color Coded. Now, if you're curious about the name, Sal and Becca twins, they come from four generations of dressmakers, but neither of them were dressmakers themselves, but their mum and nana were. And Beck has got blonde hair and blue eyes and Sal has got brown hair and brown eyes. And so their mum used to call them colour-coded, which I love. And so because they've not come from a fashion background and this is called Brand Builders Lab, I was super curious with how they learnt how to grow and build their business. And so this is their story. And so let me know, do you enjoy this type of content? Because I do. And obviously, I kind of want to mix it up with stories of how people did what they did, as well as sharing with you how to's on how to build your brand and market your business as well. So give me feedback, let me know. But I really enjoyed this chat with them and make sure you go and check out Beck and Sal from Color Coded. Beck and Sal, welcome to the Brand Builders Lab podcast. Thanks. Thanks. Happy to be here. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. Now, for those of my audience who do not know you, do you want to give us a little bit of background on your business, Color Coded? Just give us a bit of background and then we're going to go into how you started and everything else. We started about two years ago. Um, so Color Coded is um, a fashion label that Beth and I have always sort of dreamt about starting, or at least for the past sort of five years. Um, it's all about um, colourful, bold clothing. Originally, it was supposed to be women's wear, but we're sort of moving now towards more unisex style um, Which we weren't clothing. expecting, right? Which we weren't necessarily yeah. expecting at the start, but it's been one of those things that's transformed into, which is really exciting. We pride ourselves on trying to be as ethical and sustainable as possible as well. So they're some of our major values of the brand too. So all of our um, clothing is made in Melbourne and all of our fabrics and stuff that we use in our garment manufacturing is made out of natural products. So um, natural fibre fabrics, yeah. so things like cottons and linens. Um, and then we use things like Corozo nut buttons as well in our garments too, which are obviously um, sourced from like um, a tree as well. Um, so that's a little bit, I guess, about who we are and what we do. Yeah, awesome. So I guess just to take a step back as well, I think I met you ladies. I hosted like a long bottomless brunch. Yes, there was uh, alcohol involved. 
<laughs> a while ago. And, and we met and I had seen your clothing online before, which I loved because uh, obviously it's very bold and bright and colourful, like which, yeah. which I do. <laughs> I'm attracted to like a moth to the flame. Uh, and then when we sat down and chatted, you both kind of told me a bit about your story. So this podcast episode, I guess, is a little bit different to what I would normally do, which is a bit of a teaching type how-to. Um, mm-hmm. And I really wanted to share your story because I think that there are a lot of people that are in jobs that are nothing to do with the products they want to create or the business that they want to do. And so when I heard your story, I thought I love it because I just think it inspires other people who are in the same position to go after the things that they really wanted. So I really wanted to know, I guess, how you started this business and why you started it. So if you want to maybe each give us a bit of background on what your current jobs are or what your backgrounds Mm -hmm. are, uh, that would be great. And then maybe let's talk about, yeah, how you got this started. So I think, well, my current job is different to what I was doing before I finished and started Colour Coded. So I studied environmental science. So hence our background, um, my background's in sustainability. Um, but at the time, before, just before I finished um, work, I was working in human resources for a not-for-profit. Um, and since finishing, um, I need a job, obviously, that is part-time. So I went back to what I was doing at uni, which was being a disability carer. So I run a respite house for a boy with autism who now I've worked with on and off for 10 years. So, wow. So not at all related to colour-coded, um, but it's absolutely a job that I love and love working part-time. And then Sal? Yeah, so I come from a very different background again. So I um, studied sports science and I am a PE outdoor ed and health teacher. So I think both primary and secondary school students. And that's sort of what I went into from high school. Um, at the time when I was sort of choosing what I was going to do at university, I was in two minds because I really loved um, fashion and textiles and I did um, textiles all the way through to the end of year 12. And I was thinking about going into fashion, but I also really love sport and wanted to go and do something in regards to sport as well. Um, I just sort of fell into doing the sport stuff um, at the time and just kept going with it because I loved it and then started off doing some teaching and loved that too and just ran with that. And then I sort of got to a point where I was working really hard and feeling like I was sort of burning myself out a bit and I sort of really missed that creative element Um, of my life that I focused so much on when I was younger and sort of hadn't really done much of for probably at least sort of six or seven years. Um, And Beck and I talked about sort of starting a fashion label um, on and off for quite a few years and then we sort of both got to a point in our jobs where we weren't really satisfied or really happy with where we were at and we thought, let's just do it. Let's let's both go down to part-time, let's figure this out. And we were lucky in the place that we were at in that, in the job that I can go down to sort of casual or part-time and still get a reasonable income and get the same in what she was doing. Um, so we really sort of, sort of it was frightening though, right? Yeah. Like we went, both went from full-time work and I was on a positions. decent wage and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to go back to, you know, part-time work. And also I guess in an industry that's not, um, I know people look at it in a different way. So I also was a bit conscious of that thinking, oh my God, I'm going back to something I was doing at uni, like I'm taking a step back. But we were like, nah, let's just do it. Like we're not happy. Yeah. 
and part of that is, I guess, too, Susan, was like, like you said, we had no qualifications in this area. Yes, I studied <laughs> textiles um, and design until the end of year 12, but I didn't actually have any qualifications, nor did Beck. So from the perspective of other people looking in, you know, there was sort of questions. Like, what are they like, doing? What are you doing? And we're like, <laughs> yeah. oh, we're just going to do it. Like, you know, we're just going to be ballsy and give it a go. Um, and so, like, when you sort of say, you know, when you were younger or, or just when you were both in your jobs full time, you had talked about starting a fashion label. Like, where did that come from? Was that just you both love clothes or? That was always love fashion. Always. And so I used to design a lot of my own clothes and make my own clothes. And I was always really drawn to really colourful things. So sometimes I would sort of design my own things and put them onto tops and T-shirts or I would design things from you made your formal dress, didn't you? One of yeah. 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 Well, yeah. with a lot of help from mum to give her credit, because yeah. of course I want to do something really complicated, like a bodice, you know, <laughs> like this, yeah, very convoluted process. Um, but yeah, I made my year 11 formal dress with my mum, which was really cool, um, but always really drawn to really colourful things. So I reckon that was like a sky blue satin coloured dress, because I just loved, that was like my favourite colour at the time. Um, Whereas and, I haven't, I yeah. was never really into fashion. Like I, I I'm not quirky like Sally, she wears so much more out there clothes than I do. So it's kind of Says, a bit of can a Can I just blend. stop for a second there? Says the woman in the hot lips top. <laughs> You're like, for those of you who are listening black. to the podcast, yeah. Like Beck is I'm wearing this white, this white top with hot lips on it. But, yeah, you're not out there at all. Awesome. Yeah. But I, I suppose for me, like I've always to and fro, like I really want to do something on my own well like all with sell you know like yeah. I wanted to run my own business or I, I, I'm not particularly good at being an employee I so I just think for me it's not suited to me I just think you're good at being in charge yeah and I just love I think I've just loved doing so many different things like I, you know always at a workplace I'm always in, at someone else's desk and I'm helping them with something that's not related to my work and for me, I just can't stay doing one thing all day. Yeah. It's just not for me. So doing the business and like having to learn so many new skills and um, doing parts that I'm absolutely not comfortable doing, I love. So awesome. That's, such a, that's such a good segue as well because I think this is the other thing is that people are like, well, I have no idea how to do that. Um, like whatever it is that they want to do. So I want to dive into, you guys made the decision. So when was this? When did you make the decision to start the business? Was it started 2018? Oh, it would have been towards the end of 2017 because we both decided that we were just going to end, you know, quit both of our jobs, which like we were both yeah. in permanent jobs, like they said, earning a good wage. And then we said, nah, we're going we're gonna to resign. We're going to we're going to move and do part-time work, casual work and yeah. like really And what did your that. family or partners or people around you say? Because this is a big thing as well, yeah? yeah? it's hard. Yeah. Yeah. We had, um, we've got an amazing family. They were really supportive, which I'm yeah. quite surprised. Um, <laughs> because uh, like I think they were shitting themselves too. Sorry, Suze. Um, That's all right. But my older sister, interesting, I, I remember having a conversation with her. We were travelling. We're in London and she... I think it came from a place of fear, but she was saying to me, are you sure? Like, are you really sure that you want to go back and do um, disability work? She said, why don't you stay doing your HR work, do it part-time so you've got a backup plan? And I remember she went to the bathroom and I remember getting really upset thinking, I, don't, I can't do that. I don't want to do that. I just want to do this and do it with Sal. But I remember, like, thinking, oh, God, maybe she's right. Like, yes. 
so there was a lot of that for us, I think, um, which always, I think, comes from a place of love. People are worried for you um, just as much as we're worried, but we're just stupid enough to go, mm, we're just going to do it. Yeah, I mean, I do think that there's, you know, I do think that our relatives, our friends, they do love us. They don't, they never mean to, I guess, stand in our way, but they're like, are you sure? Because the majority of people want to stay comfortable and they want to stay secure and things like that. So I think that that is a, a big thing that I think that when you're looking to take the leap or do something different, that's probably one of the big things that does happen. Um, yeah. but I love the fact that you're like, yeah, it's fine. We're going to do it anyway, which is, which is we'll perfect. Go, what's the worst that can happen? We lose some money. We lose some time. We can always go back to those jobs and reapply and start with what we've lost a period of time. Who cares? Like, and it's so funny. So, cause I don't think we really thought too much about failing. Like, I don't mm. think that was ever a real fear of ours. Like it was just like, we're just going to give it a crack. And you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but we were so determined and I think we still are so determined that yeah. that doesn't really cross our mind. That's and awesome. Like, especially for me as a perfectionist in many ways. And I'm, I'm surprised that I, I thought so little about that, but I think maybe because I believe so much in Beck and I just know how capable she is that I just, well, I, I don't really worry mm-hmm. about that because I just know that we've got each other to back each other up and keep each other going. Yeah. She's not normally this nice to me. <laughs> It's obviously just me, just in front of me. Yeah, really yeah. and like my, my thousand odd listeners. But um, what else was I going to say? So when you started, you made the decision. So this podcast is kind of going live at the beginning of 2020. So it's been two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when you started, did you do forecasting? Did you kind of go, this is what we'd have to sell? Like, how, like, how did you start? Really. Let's start at the beginning. Like, what, was the, what were the first things that you did? when you started your business? We did lots of research, didn't we, Sarah? And we had no knowledge at all. Um, And we started a, um, it was a fashion... Sort of startup course. Startup course, yeah, that went for six months. You have an idea of things you need to think about and know if you're going to sort of start a label. So that sort of helped give us a bit of a context right at the beginning of of stuff that we needed to think about and consider and sort of start um, putting into place in the setup, I guess, of the um, label. Pricing and, you know, sourcing and manufacturing locally and things like that. So that was a really good overview. Um, How long did that take you? Well, I mean, it was sort of, you could just do it at your own pace. So you sort of went through some modules with different information and wrote down the information that you thought. Probably about six months. Yeah. Yeah. And all within that sort of we were, starting to do the things that they sort of said to do, which was, you know, you start sort of developing the products. So whether that's like from the perspective of our business, it's developing sort of patterns for clothing and prints as well. So then we finished that course. So And sort of within that too, if I could take a step back, I I really wanted to be in to create the prints for the brand. So I wanted it to all be driven by both of us. I didn't want to sort of go elsewhere for that. Um, in saying that, I hadn't really done a lot of artwork my whole life. Like, yes, I'd sort of designed the clothes and um, done a little bit of creative aspects of that before, but I hadn't actually 
sat down and sort of drawn prints or paintings and things like that. So I actually ended up doing a course um, with Surface 122 Design School um, run by Emily Wills um, and she is amazing. So I did a short course with her, which was sort of like, a, it's like an in-between. It's like for people that sort of want to do it as a hobby or more as a job, but you don't really want to go to, back to sort of TAFE or university to do a course. Yeah. That's um, it, a quick fix. That's yeah. what we need. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. To be honest, it was absolutely brilliant because, you know, you sort of talk, you go through all the different stages of sort of, you know, whether it's the basics of colour wheels and things like that, to sort of just drawing and painting and sort of um, that side of things, to learning how to sort of edit and create things through Photoshop as well. So basically putting your artwork into Photoshop and, and making repeat prints through that. Um, so that was a real game changer for me, I think, from that perspective, because I never really thought that I'd ever be capable of learning how to use Photoshop because I'm not good with technology. Um, but I also was really surprised at what I was able to create through my drawings and my painting. Um, it, I really surprised myself and um, I'm really happy with sort of mm. how it's all sort of evolved. Oh, they're amazing. Your designs are awesome. They're so original yeah, and yeah, they're, they're fantastic. But I love the fact that you guys were like, okay, so we don't actually have the knowledge. We know what we want to do. So we're going to do some short courses. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Yeah. And then I suppose because the, getting from a product idea to a product is such a long process from designing, particularly with clothing, because you've got to do a lot of sourcing of materials. You've got to do the pattern making. You've then, once you've gone through the pattern making process and sampled, you've got to test that it doesn't shrink. It doesn't, the colors stay, you know, and that's before you've even then finalized the product and then tried to sell it. So we had quite a long period, um, where we were going through that process, but also trying to figure out the business side of things too, that when, when we finally had a product, we're like, oh, great, now what do we do? How yeah. do we sell it? Um, and we got really lucky with Steph from Popnod. We yeah. went to, um, what? where is it? What's it called? The oh, Ladies the Women's Co-working Space. One Roof. One thank you. And we just put our name down for a competition um, that Steph was running to win a branding um, session. Anyway, we got it. and we Amazing. Like, amazing. And she did Just the most up. incredible um, branding strategy for us um, and that helped us so much with our customer, where, you know, who was it, who were we trying to sell to, which then actually affected our um, designs when we were in the process of it. We're like, oh, we need to think of that because yeah. who's wearing this? What hemlines are we doing, you know? Where are they going to be wearing it? What's important to them? And that yeah. was a big change for us, I think. I think that made a big difference. I think that sort of really helped sort of build a really good framework for us as to like, like Beck said, who our customer was, um, what were our brand values and what was important to us. And I think um, the brand values um, is something that we constantly come back to over the course of the past two years. So, okay, like who are we and what are we trying to achieve? is what we're doing aligning with our values and are we actually communicating our values and who we are to our customers? And I wouldn't have necessarily thought that's something we would have looked up separately and invested in, but yes. you know, I, it was invaluable yeah. to us yeah. and yeah, it's just, it's amazing. you know, it's, yeah, it was great. So yeah, because the thing is, is that you know, like your people want to buy from organizations or businesses or people where there's a values alignment. And so yes. if you're like, okay, we're for people who love bright, colorful, unique, original, but local, sustainable, ethical, like all of those people are like, okay, 
that's like I could go somewhere else and get bright, colourful, etc. But actually yes. these values really align with me, so I'm going to support you. Um, yep. So when I when you sort of say, you know, you were sourcing the material, you had to go through all the testing, et cetera, how long was that process? So if you started the business at the end of 2017, when did you sell or when did you start to first, market your first? We had our first product December 2018. So it would have been. So it took you a year. It took yeah, us a year. Basically. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. From start to so we're a bit quicker now. We're a bit quicker now, but um, <laughs> yeah, we got it down to almost six months. Six months. <laughs> so not that great yet. It's really free. Yeah, yeah, it's a long process. Yeah, yeah, and so and so, what are you doing now as far as how you're getting your products to market? So, have you got a system that you've created with your suppliers and how you're designing sell and like what does that look like now? Well, it's sort of evolved over the course of the um, the past two years because we've sort of we've changed like and evolved with like pattern makers. Um, we've used different manufacturers and we've also used different places where we're sourcing our fabrics and stuff from too. So I guess it's quite dynamic, um, but we've, we've found um, a great digital printer that we work closely with in China, which has been a real game changer for us in regards to being able to get what we want, being able to communicate effectively and getting a quality product. Um, so that sort of changed from our first collection to our second. And um, how did you find them? Because obviously China is such a massive market. Yeah, Was totally. that through referral or? Well, it's funny actually because we had um, some other startup friends that went to like the International Sourcing Expo and we sort of missed that. Um, but one of them got some samples from um, one of the printers there and um, she showed us and I was like, oh, this is a really good array of fabric, a really good variety of natural fibres to choose from. So I ended up contacting them um, and then um, finding that the service was really good, the the prints that we were getting done I was really happy with um, and, yeah, we ended up going through them. So it's sort of, once again, a bit of a coincidence, a um, bit of, you know, relying on your network in many ways and not being afraid to sort of put yourself out there and say, you know, what have you got? Um, what are your prices? Just try it. Yeah. Just try it out because there's so many, like you said, so many options. And it wasn't our first one and it's the same thing with manufacturing. We have used now four, four different yeah. manufacturers in Melbourne. Yeah, in, the, in those 12 months of having, you know, actual products. So it's a Why? lot of there are Lots of reasons. <laughs> lots of reasons. <laughs> um, communication, pricing, quality, um, you know, uh, minimums, how many, yeah. like what they require and then timeframes, what they're able to do. So yeah. um, for us, it's, yeah, we've just gone through and trying to find the best one that works for us. And we've got, like we said, we've got some other startup friends who also have labels and they have different experiences at the same manufacturer than we do. It just, you just have to find your fit, you know. Yeah. So ones that they like we didn't like and ones that we love, they you know, are like, well, I just, I can't communicate with them the same way. So it's very personal. Yeah. It is actually really personal when you're working with manufacturers. I'm really surprised at, you know, um, how different your experience can be at different locations. And also even just working with people, like I said, in China. Like our first people that we were working with, we were really unhappy with because the printation was yeah. very poor and, and the printing in the end, you know, came up with a lot of errors. Whereas like this, our, our second group that we're now working with, 
um, get back to us very quickly, um, you know, fix any problems and issues because there's always going to be something that happens that goes wrong um, and, you know, they're straight on the front foot. They're never blaming anyone. They take responsibility for it and, and they deliver when they say they're going awesome. to deliver, which is fantastic. Um, but like I said, there's always issues, whether it's with yeah. local manufacturers, whether it's with our suppliers overseas and you've just got to sort of roll with it. Yeah. Going. And so now is it six months from design to the shelf or to the customer for you? Just, just about. I yeah. think that this one, we might be knocking a little bit of time off that, although we haven't, we haven't hit production just yet, but I think it will end up Probably being maybe six months from sort of pat- starting the pattern development through to actually having the finished product in our hands. And photo shoot and on the website, yeah. Yeah, and so do you have just the same patterns but different fabrics or are you always creating new pieces, like new patterns as well as new fabrics? It's a bit of a mix, isn't it? Yeah, I think originally we wanted to sort of stick with the same styles and sort of um, just bring out new prints in those styles. But I think we found through like customer feedback and, and that sort of thing um, that we sort of wanted to evolve the things that we were doing. And also I think creatively I think I find it hard to sort of stick to one thing. I yeah. have a new idea and I want to go with that. Um, so we definitely yeah. looked, right, to, to continue with the same patterns and perfect yeah. them. So we've done a lot of that, like altering particular boiler suit. Like we've kind of continued that yeah. through. Three I do love that. And, yeah, yeah, it is. And good the shirt nice. dress as well. Um, and then so we've mixed having like maybe two that we already have changing them slightly or whatever and then introduced a couple more patterns as yeah. well um, with each collection. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And so when it comes to business lessons, <laughs> what are some so, – so say some of my listeners are thinking about creating a product because I actually know a couple of service-based businesses that are in my community or are my clients where they're like, mm. I think I'm going to give a product to go. So what have been some of the business lessons that you've learned along the way when it comes to creating a product and taking it to market? It's not an efficient process. <laughs> It's not the the quickest way to do things. I think it's a long process, right? So it takes a lot longer than you expect it to take. I think is probably yeah, like takes the first thing. The amount of time, especially when you're first doing it. I think if you haven't developed a product before, it takes a long time to start that sort of system up because you've got to network, find people to do it, and there's always going to be issues and things that you need to modify along the way. Um, but in saying that, too, I don't know if you can ever get something completely perfect. Mm. So. I always think that, you know, so we go into production and stuff and, and as we get our product out there, that's when I start to learn how to change it better for next time because you get your customer feedback. Yeah. So I think aiming for perfection is not always necessarily the most efficient way because, you know, you get an enormous amount of customer feedback as you go in and continue to improve your fit or your style if it comes to clothing. Um, but, yeah, taking the time to, to, to get it as right as you can um, and then, yeah, obviously getting it out to customers and getting that feedback is really important. Um, I think how do you guys get feedback? Like what's that? Mm-hmm. Is it just are you asking? Are you like in a formal way or is it just kind of anecdotally coming back to you through reviews or things like that? I think our biggest way has been the market. So yeah. last year we did maybe seven interstate markets in total, um, like the big finders keepers and big design and things. So we're really fortunate that we get 
one because we don't have a shop front, right? So we, we're not there when people are trying the clothes on or, or if they buy it online, we don't get to see what it looks like when they're wearing it. Whereas with the markets, they're standing there, they come out of the change room and we can really talk to them about how's the fit and that's when they'll tell you, I love this or this fits really well or if I could change it, I would be loosening the waist, whatever it is, um, which we just don't get if we were completely solely online. Um, so that's probably our biggest one because yeah. a lot of online sales you don't hear again unless they, you, you get it when they post pictures and they're really excited about it or if someone has to return something says, oh, it doesn't quite fit. That's the only time we found um, that naturally we will get the feedback back. Yeah. So I think the markets have been. And I think for me too, like I find at the markets is really beneficial for me from a design perspective because that's a lot of what I'm responsible for too is looking at how different body shapes um, and different heights, like, in, and, you know, everything like that, how the, the garment fits. Yeah. So especially for us, I think, because we're always wanting to increase our size range too, when I start looking at, okay, we've scaled this pattern up and we've gone to a size 16 and I'm like, oh, I think, you know, the boiler suits have been really great. I've been really happy with how they fit the size 16s. But um, I, I saw that with the wrap tops when we scaled it to a 16, that... Um, we sort of needed to adjust that a little bit more that we weren't quite getting the coverage that I wanted on the 16. Yeah. So that's something that I would change for next time, especially for women that have a, a bigger bust. So even it's just through observations for me, it's not always necessarily the customer saying it, but it's me watching, observing, seeing how it fits um, and seeing how people feel in it as well. Yeah. Um, really helps. And so you ladies are selling online at colorcoded.com.au and yep. you have been doing some of the big markets, like you just mentioned, like finders, mm-hmm. keepers and the big design market. And then you did do a pop-up shop in Fitzroy, was it? A yep, little while did. ago. And so one, how did that go? And two, are you looking at different ways of selling or are those your main avenues? Yeah, We've talked about it a lot this year because we think we don't want to do as many interstate markets. It took its toll and it's a lot. Um, and it's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of cost involved with that as well. I was about well. to say, um, is it profitable? It, it is, but I, we, so we've always turned a profit at the markets. But if we then were like, let's take into account how yeah. many days we're not working, both of us staying there all day, I would say it hasn't been. So this year we said, all right, we did that for a year. Let's go back and do the ones that were really successful for us and ones we actually enjoyed being at because I think that's a big one for us too. Like, um, yeah. And then let's change our tact a bit and we're looking at maybe doing two pop-ups this year is our aim and then spending money on online advertising, which I'm just starting a course um, with the Digital Picnic, who I love and I know you have had on the podcast as well. Um, so I'm hoping that that will be then we do that for a year and compare the two and see um, – you know, which one we want to continue with. But so we did the pop-up in Fitzroy. It wasn't great for us, actually. Um, It wasn't a huge success. We probably put that down to a couple of things. I think um, it was only for a weekend. And I think for us, particularly talking to other shop owners, you need a lot longer than that. And often sometimes sales are better during the week, funnily enough, than the weekends. Mm. Um, Location's a big one time of year. Um, So for us, it hasn't disheartened us. We're, we've said if we do two pop-ups, we want to do them for a longer period um, and see if that works for us because I guess it's a big dream for us to have the shop front one day, but we do also recognise the huge cost involved mm. with, with that. So it's definitely not in the um, 
immediate future for us. Mm. I think that's a really interesting time to be um, in like fashion and retail because the retail is changing so much so quickly and like the affordability and the ability to actually effectively have a shop front and it be worthwhile is um, diminishing. So, you know, even though that's sort of like a dream to have a shop and there are so many benefits to having a shop, it's not necessarily the most cost-effective way for a brand to do that unless you're bigger. Um, Whereas like a lot of things are moving towards online um, and digital um, areas. So for us, I guess, like Beck said, we want to move towards online and digital marketing, but we also want to give people the ability to come and try on the clothes and do those things. So having pop-ups and things throughout the year, we would like to do but we don't want it to, we want it to sort of be more on our own terms as opposed to the markets because, yes, you get the benefit of the markets in that you're actually buying into their customer base, so which has been enormously beneficial to us, I think, and that's where we've got a lot of our customers from, um, our long-term customers. Yeah, um, it's good but brand like, exposure. Yeah, it's yeah. yeah, good brand exposure. Because you start with no customers, right? No, no one knows you, so it, it was a really good starting point for us. Yeah. yeah. But I think, yeah, this year we want to sort of shift that and, and test out some new ways of doing things and see what pays off and what's effective. And, and also we're mindful of, like Beck said, what, what are we enjoying? What parts are we enjoying? So, like, the markets, as there are quite a lot of fun in it, um, it is really tiring and it takes us away from our other jobs as well. And our partners and, yeah. 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 It's a long so day. I mean, I yeah. go for like an hour or two and I'm tired. And I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And so what is the big vision for the business? Like, you know, do you guys want to go into it full time? When do you want to do that? Like what, if, if the business was to be a roaring success in your eyes, what would that be? Such a good question. I, w- I think we would both love to be in it full time, right? I don't think, you know, long term, I don't want to keep on doing part time work and part time because I really do think it affects how quickly you can grow as well and what time you can set aside to it when you're kind of spreading your focus on multiple things. Yeah. Um, and also, we love it. Like, I'd love to spend the time and then I can spend more time learning all of these new skills that we're getting. Yeah. Um, but we've also talked about being realistic. Like, we, we'd love the growth to be there, but we also want it to still be a personal brand that we can still be the direct contacts and have so much involvement with it. I don't think we're looking at it as being like, we want it to be a big. Mm. Um, yeah. So I think that's something that was really sat with me since our bottomless brunch actually. So when you were talking about scaling rather than growth, particularly. Mm. So like for us, I think we would like to scale the business to a point where, um, you know, we're at a good profitable level where we can both get a wage from it, like a full-time wage um, or, or near to that, um, and and still be able to sort of, I guess the best thing about our brand is that um, we bring smiles to people's faces. People love the clothes. It makes people happy. And if I can continue to create prints and designs with Beck that, um, uh, I guess, um, bring out those mm. type of emotions in people and bring joy to people's lives. And that's really what we'd love to keep doing. Um, but we, like Beck said, we need to make it sustainable and, um, you know, we doing it the way that we've been doing for the past few, two years. As much as we've made it work and we've, I think we've done really well of making it work, um, it doesn't allow us to gather and grow um, the same momentum 
um, and sort of scale um, that we would like. And we've we talked a, time. and we've talked a lot about we'd like to um, kind of include some social enterprise, right? So we would really like to be able to find people that need work or want to learn new skills that we could actually give them an opportunity. Um, and that came up a lot with the shop front, right? Because it's an easy way to kind of go, we could hire people that, you know, uh, have disabilities. Obviously, that's really a big part of my life or people that are sales worked a lot in homeless um, sector as well. So for us, seeing our business grow where then we have more ability to help other people, I think mm. is a big driver for us. Um, you know, yes, the flexibility in our own lives, but it would be great if we could do that for others as well, which... Yeah, it's a big value of ours that we sort of have in other aspects of our lives that we would love to, I guess, get to a point where the business is at a point where it can actually make an impact and we can incorporate that social enterprise part of the business too and continue to, I guess, as well, um, incorporate more environmentally sustainable parts to our business. So, you know, using, you know, only organic, you know, fabrics and recycled fabrics and things like that. Um, that we can't really, you know, it makes it hard to do now because that just blows the, the budget in many ways, you know. We're just trying to do our best with what we can and sort of compromise on things that we can't change yet. Yeah. Amazing. Well, I love your story. You're going to be like, this is like a new thing that I'm doing on the podcast, which is entrepreneurial <laughs> stories and journeys. So welcome to our first episode. Uh, <laughs> Because I do. I really, I thought that your story was really unique. I think that a lot of people try new things that have come from very different backgrounds and, and it is just kind of going, you know, something I want to do this and I'm going to figure it out as I go, even though I don't have the background or the skills or, you know, you're not surrounded by people who can give you all of this information as well. Uh, and so, yeah, so I was really excited to have a chat with you ladies about it and share your brand because I love what you're all about and I love your values um, as well. So thanks for sharing. Thanks, Sue. Thank you very much. So for those who are listening, uh, where can they find you? We will have all your links in the show notes, but um, where can they find you wherever it is that you like to hang? So we like to hang um, on Instagram. That's yeah. kind of my portal of choice. So we're at Color Coded Clothing. And then our website, which you mentioned before, uh, is colorcoded.com.au. So you can't miss us. We're bright and bold and... Look for the pink and green. Yeah. Yeah, which obviously is totally aligned with me and my brand as well, which is so good, which is so good. Well... Beck and Sal, I hope that 2020 is amazing for you and I just want to say congrats on, you know, just doing things that aren't always Fumbling easy. our way through it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Nothing yeah. better. So Thanks good. So much, My pleasure. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. That was something a little bit different. I really, really love Beck and Sal and I think that it's really important for us to share these stories as well of people who are building businesses where they may be coming from a really different background and they're working it out as they're going and they're just making it happen. Yeah. So that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to share their story. And I hope that it's something that you enjoyed listening to. Let me know your feedback. Like I have said, I am testing and trying different things on the podcast this month. And so I'm really keen to know what you're loving and, you know, what you would prefer and all the rest of it. But that is it for another week. Remember, if you want to come and join the conversation, then you can always come to my free Facebook group, which is Bold Women in Business. The link will be in the show notes as well, or just 
just head, head over to Facebook. You can follow me on all socials at Suze Chadwick. But thanks so much for listening. If you did enjoy this episode, then I would love you to leave a review so that others can find the podcast and come and hang out with us. Listen, the music in this podcast was created by Declan DP on SoundCloud. Until next time, have an awesome week and make sure you keep playing big and branding bold. Oh, 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 oh,